Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. As I have done, so God has repaid me. Then they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. And so look what happened. When you do thing God, when you do something God's way, it works. That's that's pretty much what happened. When you do it God's way, it works because they totally dominated these guys. They beat them. Now God did not command Israel to cut off Adonai Bezek's thumbs and toes, big toes. But that's what they did to him anyway. Now I'm sure God didn't. Maybe he didn't command it or condone it. But it's interesting how it just happened to be the exact same cruelty that Adonai Bezek had been doing to 70 other kings over a long period of time. Now, why would he have done this to them? Why cut off their thumbs and big toe? What's the point? Why do that? Cutting off somebody's thumbs would prevent them from being able to hold a weapon to fight and battle with. And so cutting off the big toe meant they could not have a solid footing in combat. They couldn't stand in combat. They couldn't hold a weapon in combat. It would disable the king from being able to fight. And so the major function of a king is to lead his people into battle and, and, to, and, and to fight in, in combat like that, to lead the people into, into war. And so this kind of an act of barbarism like this, to cut off thumbs and, and big toes like that, would render the king's position pretty much utterly useless. And basically, it would kind of disqualify him from royalty, from his royal position. And so God dealt back upon Adonai Bezek for the cruelty that he had put onto others. He, he did this to other kings, and God paid him back, and Adonai Bezek even admitted it. So we see, we see two major things going on. You don't do things God's way, you do it wrong, cruel, evil, you're going to get in trouble. But if you do things God's way, you'll have success. Pretty simple equation, if you ask me. So we're learning some good stuff here in Judges 1. Now Judges 1 verse 8. Now the children of Judah fought against Jerusalem and took it. They struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. And afterward, the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountains in the south and in the lowland. Then Judah went against the Canaanites who dwelt in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kirjath Arba, and they killed Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai. From there they went against the inhabitants of Debir. The name of Debir was formerly Kirjath Sefer. Okay, so here we see some continued success in getting the rest of the enemy out of the land. And now this next segment is a story that you may have probably already heard before. If you've, especially if you have read Joshua, you've heard this before, but here it is again in the Bible in Judges 1 and 12. 
Then Caleb said, Whoever taxed Kirjath-Sephir and takes it, to him I will give my daughter, Aksa, as wife, and Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it. So he gave him his daughter, Aksa, as wife. Now it happened when she came to him that she urged him to ask her father for a field, and she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you wish? So she said to him, Give me a blessing. Since you have given me land in the south, give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Okay, so we've read this exact same story already. It was this almost exactly word for word is in Joshua 15. So, you know, obviously you want to ask a question, why am I seeing this again? Uh, why is it written again? Does it mean that it happened again? No, this didn't happen twice. Is this some sort of a chronological error? I mean, when did it happen? You know, a lot of people say, well, all this same story is in the Bible twice. That that must be an error. And the skeptics will use things like this to say, oh, look, there's error in the Bible. Now you can't can't trust anything the Bible says. No, that's not true either. But, you know, we did read that it happened back in Joshua 15 before Joshua died, or did it happen here now after Joshua died? What's the deal? Well, it helps us to understand a little more about Othniel, who he is, who Othniel is. We are not in the times of the judges, and Othniel is Israel's very first judge. I'm sorry, we are in the times of the judges, the the book of Judges. Othniel is Israel's very first judge, and not only is Othniel Caleb's nephew, but he is also from the tribe of Judah. Uh Uh-oh, look at this. We just heard about Judah, how Judah is the fierce lion that's going to go out and get him. And, well, we're being reminded about another guy from Judah. So since we're now in a setting where it's important to see the lion-like tribe of Judah, the fierceness of Judah going out to war, we are in need of being reminded of Othniel's God-given strength for fighting battles here. So we have this story of Othniel and Oxa again. So we have to realize that back in ancient times, people did not have a fully compiled biblical canon book of all the collected books together in one binding like we have today, where you can go from Genesis to Revelation. Well, obviously back then they didn't have the New Testament, but they didn't have all the books together in one collection. There would have been a lot of copies of the book of Judges going around. There would have been a lot of copies of, say, the the book of Joshua going around. But maybe there were some people who didn't have both. Maybe somebody had Judges only. Maybe there were people who had Joshua only. But for the people who had Judges only, it was very important for the people to be informed of what Othniel, the first judge, did back in the book of Joshua if in case they did not happen to have a copy of the book of Joshua. It's a reminder, so to speak. It's kind of like how movie sequels work. If you've ever watched Star Trek II, I'm a Trekkie guy, I love Star Trek. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Now, I'm not blowing any spoilers here because those movies are almost 40 years old. But The Wrath of Khan, you'll see that Spock, Mr. Spock, dies at the end. Now, if you were to go to watch Star Trek III, The Search for Spock... The movie opens with the scene of Spock dying from the previous movie. Now, this does not mean that Spock died twice. But what they did is they put the death scene from the previous movie at the beginning of Star Trek III so that you can know what happened in case you never got to see Star Trek II. 
So let's say you saw Star Trek 2, you loved it. I want to go see Star Trek 3 now, and you want to take a friend with you. And he goes, well, I've never seen Star Trek 2 before, but I'll go anyway. You have that reminder set in at the at the beginning of Star Trek 3 to remind you what happened that Spock died. Okay? That's just a helper for a sequel movie, to remind you of what happened so that you know how to go on, because it's relevant to the story that you're about to get into. And so the reason we're seeing this story of Othniel and Oxa again is not because it happened again, or not because there's a chronological error in the Bible, but because Othniel is the first judge, and his supreme tribe of Judah battle skills are pivotal to what's going to happen later in chapter 3 in the book of Judges. We need to know this information. So it's kind of like we're being reminded of what happened in the other book of Joshua. Because uh, later in chapter 3, it's going to have a lot to do with Othniel. Uh, let me tell you, J- Judges 3, verse 9, looking ahead real quick. It says, When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz. And so this is why we're being reminded of Othniel from the prequel, (laughs) the book of Joshua, because he plays a major role for Israel in the book of Judges. Now, I wanted to lay all this out on why we're seeing Othniel's same story for a second time, because you'd be amazed at what unbelievers do with things like this from the Bible. They try to make the Bible seem untrustworthy because, oh, look, it's full of errors. You know, we we just had this, this story... And Joshua, now here it is again, oh, something's wrong, I can't trust it. And and if you're not prepared on how to answer them, they'll own you. You need to be able to explain these kinds of things to them. And so it just takes simple observation. Christian, let me tell you one thing up front. It takes reading. If you're not reading your Bible, you don't really love God. I had a Bible professor tell me this, and I thought, no, that can't be right. But after thinking about it, it really makes sense. If you don't read your Bible, you don't really love God. If you don't spend time pursuing to know who he is, who he says he is, to get to know him and his word, the word that he has given to you, if you just don't care, well, then you don't love him. You, if you love your Lord, the Lord your God, you're going to spend time pursuing to know him, who he says he is in his word. And so it just takes a little simple observation. A bu- guys, you got to read the Bible. I have no other way to put it. You've got to read the Bible. If you're a real believer... And Messiah Jesus, you have committed your life to him. Oh, I've committed my life to Jesus. And you don't even read the Bible? Something's wrong with that. But it you got to read. If you read and observe, then everything is easily understood. It's not a problem in the pages here. And again, sorry for those of you who have not seen Star Trek 2 and 3. Uh, I don't feel like I really gave any spo- spoilers out because those movies are only about 40 years old. I figured if you haven't seen it by now, you're probably not going to. But I recommend you watch them. They're pretty cool. Anyway, let's move on. Judges 1 and 16. Now the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up from the city of Palms with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the south near Arad. And they went and dwelt among the people. Now these Kenite people, very interesting. They are Jethro's descendants, Jethro's Moses' father-in-law. They are at this time living in the city of Palms area. Now, it's not clearly stated why, but they decided to move, and they wanted to go join the people of Judah and live with them. Now, back in Numbers 10, I did a little digging. Moses tried to get his father-in-law Jethro to come with him to the promised land, and he said to him in Numbers 10, verse 32, 
It says, and it shall be, if you go with us, indeed it shall be, that whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same we will do to you. Now, for whatever reason, Jethro did not want to go with Moses. He went his own way. Now, it could be that by this time now here in the book of Judges, Jethro's descendants know about this invitation to join in, and so that could be the reason why they chose to move from the city of Palms, because they wanted to be included in the blessing of the Lord along with the tribe of Judah. They're hearing, they've probably been hearing good things that the Israelites have been doing, and they thought, hey, this is better than what we got going here. Why don't we get involved in this? Hey, didn't didn't our uh, didn't Jethro get invited to partake? And if he did, that we'd share in the blessings. I, hey, I want that. So here come the Jude, the, the tribe of Judah, and they say, "Hey, let's get out of the city of Palms and and uh, let, let's go." So that could be why that went down like that. Now Judges one and seventeen, uh, seventeen, and Judah went with his brother Simeon, and they attacked the Canaanites who inhabited Ziphath and utterly destroyed it. So the name of the city was called Hormah. Okay, so Judah, remember, they had asked Simeon to go with them in verse 3. But now here in verse 17, Judah is now going with Simeon. So they went with, they are going with Simeon. And so together, they're cleaning up the land. The city being called Hormah here, it says. Hormah means devoted uh, devotion or destruction. You could say either way. They destroyed the Canaanites, and now it's been devoted to God. So that's why it gives us the name was called Horma, because they destroyed it, and now it's devoted to God. So let's take a quick look here now at what we have in Judges 1 so far. So far, you've got the Kenites. They want God's blessing, and so they chose to move to go along with the tribe of Judah. Okay, we want God's blessing. We're going to go that way, the direction that God has his people going. Now, that was a conscious decision to do that. We need to leave where we were, and we need to follow the blessing because we want to be part of it, okay? But then there's Adonai Bezek, who was evil, and so God executed judgment on him, and it wasn't nice, but God did this to him. And Adonai Bezek even admitted it. He said, as I have done, so God has repaid me. So what you have in this book here in Judges 1, at the beginning of Judges 1, you've got two different types of people here. You've got those who turn from their ways in order to follow God to receive a blessing, because remember, the Kenites had to leave. They had to walk away from the city of Palms to get their blessing. But then you've got those who won't leave their former place. They are stubbornly turned away from God, and they're doing evil. And guess what they get? They get judgment. So guys, there's two different people I've seen in this book here. You got your judgment getters and your blessing getters. Now, I know everybody I'm talking to, if I was to give you the choice, you would say, oh, I want to get the blessing. Okay. Pretty much everybody says that. But are you willing to leave where you were? That's the, that's the difference here with people. Most people, they will all tell you, I want the blessing, I want the blessing. But most people will not leave where they've always been. And therein is the problem. There is a word that talks about leaving where you were, and that word is called repentance, and people hate that word. They hate it. They don't even like hearing anybody else talking about it. Lord, just give me the blessing, but I'm staying where I'm at. No, it's not going to work like that. 
you have to repent and turn away from your old life. Friend, I'm, I'm telling you what the Bible says. And especially those of you who claim to be a Christian, but you never read the Bible, please listen to what I'm saying. The Bible says that you must repent from your old life, like the Kenites did. You have to leave where you are. You've got to leave your city of palms if you want to follow God and get the blessing. Because the alternative to the blessing and the alternative to salvation is judgment. And there is an eternal judgment in condemnation called hell. It's Oh, I said it. Oh, he said hell. I'm turning the radio off. Hey, it's there. And it's in the Bible. And if you claim to be a Christian or want to be one, you've got to reckon with the fact that it exists. And it, it it's the place of God's judgment. God made hell. Did you know that? God made it. And anybody that goes there goes there of their own choice, but God's going to have to execute judgment on them. It's kind of like if I showed up at a house party and let's say all my friends are there and the host opens the door and I'm there for the party. I'm ready to come in and I love the host and the host loves me. We're, you know, we're, we're friends, but, but for some reason I've got mud and, and filthy stuff. I'm up to my neck in it. He's not going to let me in the house. He loves me, but he's not going to let me in. But but why not? Put yourself in that situation. If I showed up at your house with mud up to my neck, why would you not let me in? Because I'm filthy. Well, I'm pretty sure you would have an alternative to the problem. Well, let's get you cleaned up and then you can come in, but you're not going to track that stuff in all over my house. My house is clean. I like my house to be uh, clean. I don't want that, that dirt and stuff in here. It'll get all over the place and mess everything up. So you would give me an opportunity to to clean off here. You can come borrow my shower or something and then clean off and then then you can join the party. But let's look at it from the other side real quick. What if it's somebody who says, but I like this mud, but I like this stuff all over me. Then you've got a now you've got a situation because the host is going to say, well, I'm sorry, but you can't come in my house like that. I want you in here. But if you refuse to clean up, you can't come in here. I want you to come in. We're going to have a fun time with everybody. But if you're not going to clean up, sorry, buddy, you can't. See, that's the position most people are in. They're in their sin. They're up to their neck in sin. And it is foul. And it is disgusting, dirty stuff. God will not have it in his presence. You can't come in like that. But he gave you a way to get cleaned up. He gave you the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. That's the way he gave you to get cleaned up. But for some reason, most people don't want to get cleaned up. They want to stay in their sin, and they want to stay in that evil. And because you stay in that sin and in that evil, and you will not repent, then you become like Adonai Bezek. You become the kind of guy that's going to do evil upon other people. And God is going to repay it back to you for what you've done. That's the situation you don't want to be in. So you got a problem here. Well, wait a minute. I'm a sinner. As anybody, as the Bible says, we're all sinners in in Romans 3. We all are, even me, especially me. But I'm a forgiven sinner. I've taken God's way to get cleaned up, and now I get to go in. The question is, have you gotten to that decision yet? Or are you just still in your life of sin thinking, well, I'm going to just stay here, but God's going to bless me too? No, it doesn't work like that. The Kenites, to be In the blessing of God, they had to leave the city of Palms and go along with Judah to get their blessing. I'm encouraging you right now, I'm urging too, that if you want God's blessing, if you want salvation, you need to leave your old life. 
you've got to walk away from it. Oh, but I'm going to lose so much. Hey, you're not losing so much as what you're gaining in Christ. You're going to gain more than you're going to leave. I, I guarantee you. Because that party of salvation is eternal. And money can't buy it. It exceeds that. It's so big. It's so great. You can't even imagine the greatness of what it's going to be like. And so my urging to you is don't be a Adonai Bezek. Be a, like the Kenites who said, we want the blessing of God. But you got to leave where you are. You might have to lose some friends over it because they may not want to go with you. You might have to leave some of the fun things you used to go and do. But guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, eternal life is so great and so wonderful. How could you not turn away from everything to go and get that blessing? I would leave everything, and I did, leave absolutely everything to get the blessing of God. It's that good. Trust me on this. (laughs) Trust God on this, mostly. But those of you who won't turn, you've got a problem. You've got a problem to deal with with the Almighty God, that if you do not, then He's going to repay back to you for what you've done. You know, I urge you to repent. Jesus said in the gospel, He said, repent. He said that first. He said, repent and believe in the gospel. Two steps, two things, repent and believe in the gospel. And He said them in order. He didn't say believe in in the gospel and maybe you can repent somewhere later down the line. Repent has to happen first. Repent is the prerequisite to salvation. It's like some of those college courses you go to take, and well, you can't take Algebra 2 until you take Algebra 1 first or whatever. It's a prerequisite thing you have to do to be saved. First, you have to repent. You have to leave your old life of sin behind. Let me help you with that in a prayer. If you want this blessing, follow me in prayer. Lord God, I have sinned. I have blown the whole thing. Forgive me, God, I I messed up and I'm admitting it. I'm admitting that my life is a sinful one and I need you to save me because I cannot save myself. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, that my death penalty is passed over to you because you paid for it there and you buried that sin penalty in the ground, in the tomb forever. And because you rose again, I get to rise again with you up to eternal life. Thank you that you are my Lord and my Savior now, and that you offered to even do this for me in the first place. I'm not even worthy of it. I make you my Lord today. That means you're my boss. And I also make you my Savior. That means you paid my penalty, and I thank you for it, and I will follow you. I'm going to leave my old life and pursue you. Thank you, Lord God, for what you've done for me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that and you meant it from your heart, I can't pray it for you. But if you prayed it, and if you meant it, with a willingness to leave your city of palms, your old life, that you've got to go to better places to get that blessing, then praise God, I'd love to hear from you. Contact me at the information at the end of this radio show. I'm glad you gave your life to the Lord Jesus, but if you have not, I'm not mad at you, but I just want to encourage you that uh, there's some information that you need to know. You've got to walk away from that life of sin if you want to come to Jesus Christ. He's not going to let that filth in his house. I'm a sinner just like you. Don't worry, okay? I'm not talking like I'm better. But I am forgiven. And if you want to be forgiven like me, pray that prayer we just prayed and think about it. And uh, maybe I'll get back with you sometime here soon on the next radio show if you'll listen again. Jesus died for your sins. It's good to take him up on it. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.